Welcome in to the Irish NFL show, week one instance reaction. Wow, I don't know where to start with all that in the last hour or so in particular. Delighted to have Frankie Abbott join me from Wisconsin. Frankie, the NFL never lets us down, especially on week one. Never lets us down. An exciting day, uh, a painful day for me as a Broncos fan because they just did the same thing as always. But, you know, always fun. You know, we got to see so many cool explosive games. This Giants Dolphins, or I'm sorry, this uh, Chargers Dolphins game that just wrapped up was an absolute spectacle to watch. And yeah, it's just been a really fun week one. Yeah, I know we had a bit of a plan around how we were going to start this podcast. But look, sure, let's just jump into that game because it just ended a couple of minutes ago. And Chargers always find a way. Like we did our season preview, and I'm sure you've had conversations as part of a team in, in the AFC West. Chargers find ways to do Chargers things. And that's the late fantastic, very, very enticing to watch. Justin Herbert is fantastic. And they somehow yet again come out on the wrong end of a result. 36-34. Well, you touched on it there before we start recording. I mean, this was the game, wasn't This is like for all the struggles we went through last year with the concussions. We all expected him to come out playing well tonight. That was that was lights out stuff. And him and Tyreek Hill with the connection, unbelievable yet again. Yeah, I mean, for a, you know, in a season where I think everyone's got their eyes laser focused on the quarterback position, we've got a draft class coming up in this next year that looks like it's going to be absolutely amazing. Guys like Tua are, you know, they're they're on the hot seat. They got to really show that they can be an elite level quarterback, and he certainly showed that today. I think it was by far his best game as a pro. As you mentioned, man, Tyreek Hill, I, I don't like Tyreek Hill the person, but the football player, I mean, he's pound for pound probably one of the best football players in the league, if not the best football player in the league. He is just absolutely ridiculous. I think it's hilarious, like, not hilarious, I'm not trying to beat up on him, but I feel bad for J.C. Jackson, who's coming off, like, a major leg injury, and he's getting left one-on-one with Tyreek Hill on the outside, who's just burning straight by him. So, like, yeah, man, absolutely exciting thing to see for the Dolphins. It's fun seeing Vic Fangio, one of my favorite coaches in the league, get to come back. Defense gave up a good amount of points, but they, you know, they sealed the deal at the end with some really nice pressure getting home from Jalen Phillips. And, yeah, man, that Dolphins team, I mean, if Tua can play at that level, they're a force. We already know what they can be just with their receiving core. And, I mean, again, the addition of Vic Fangio with what I think is a really good defensive cast, like, this team can be a nightmare to face in the AFC. And then, yeah, the Chargers, I mean, Chargers going to keep charging, but, I mean, you have to be at least somewhat, like, really inspired, I think, by what you saw to Kellen Moore in that offense. I mean, they're just so explosive downfield now. I mean, you, you got to see Justin Herbert truly let the ball loose a little bit more than I think we're used to. And, I mean... That's that's all people in Chargers Nation have been wanting for a long time now. It's just about if that defense can kind of hold up their end of the bargain. It seems like Brandon Staley's name is, has got, like, people have got to start calling for that guy's name at some point sooner and later. He's a guy that was made the head coach based on his defensive prowess, and his defenses for the past however long he's been the head coach have really not been there. I've been, ch- I've been chopping at the bit on that, that storyline for quite some time, Frankie. Uh, you, you, you just some big fans on here. You look very calm at the end when they made those sacks essentially to close out the game. But yeah, people might forget the fact that they did give up 24 points in the game. But then again, as you said, it's kind of more involved there. Chargers offense looked really good. Mm-hmm. Their offensive line looked really good too. I, I just want to touch on that too. Like Rashawn Slater coming back was, it can't be emphasized enough how big of a loss that was for them last year. And I mean, you could tell today their running game looked incredible. Austin Eckler was bursting through really big holes. They They looked really good on the ground. Just going to jump back to the six o'clock games, um, and in particular the rookies. Obviously, Bryce Young going up against the Parkums. We had mm-hmm. Richardson with the Colts and CJ Stroud with with uh, the Texans in Baltimore. N- none of which, neither neither player came out with a victory. What was your what were your, what were your thoughts on the earlier games? Because Richardson, for large parts, and in particular the Colts with the fumble, 
which was returned for, for a touchdown in the second half. And look, mm-hmm. for a period of time, like they may be the one of the three that were likely to win, but it didn't play out that way. In the end, the score is probably not reflective of how tough a game it was for the Jacks, so they got away with a 10-point victory. Yeah, no, it was a, it was an exciting debut, I think, for all three of the rookie QBs, but I think Anthony Richardson really showed today, like, why teams were considering taking him with the number one pick, you know? Like, he, he looks a lot more comfortable playing out of, uh, playing out of like, progressions in, in the backfield. I mean, he looks just comfortable playing quarterback at an level. And then, I mean, you see the athleticism on display. You see his ability to run. Obviously, you know, he ended up leaving at the end of the game with a lower leg injury. It seems like he got a knee bruise. He needs to kind of, I saw a really cool Trevor Lawrence gave him a cool quote being like, Hey man, you got to not take those type of hits when you're in the NFL. It's different than when you're in college, you're not just playing up against future accountants. So like, yeah, man, I mean, really exciting stuff to get to see out of him. It seems like Steichen's really knowing how to use him. We saw so much of the fun goal line stuff with him just being able to brute force his way into the end zone. Uh, I think out of all three of the rookie QBs, he had probably, I'd say easily the most exciting debut, obviously putting out multiple touchdowns. CJ Stroud struggled, but I will say, like, for your first game as a rookie quarterback, having to go up against Mike McDonald's defense for the Ravens, that's just so blitz heavy, so confusing to face. Like, and for an offensive line in Houston that looked like it was going to be a strength at the beginning of the season, but they've had a fair share of injuries. Like, he just didn't really have much of an opportunity. It seemed like the game was moving a bit, a little bit too quick for him, but I mean, he was able to avoid turnovers, which is a good thing to see early on. But, I mean, you'd like to see a little bit more, I think, out of your day one pick. But nothing terrible. And then probably the, you want to say, worst showing of the day. But I honestly, like, I saw some things out of Bryce Young that I actually thought looked pretty decent. So I don't mean to just be rolling through all three of them. But, uh, you know, you saw a few of the good anticipatory throws from Bryce that you kind of were expecting to see. He was playing decently over the middle. Obviously, the two picks to Jesse Bates aren't good. The game is moving a bit faster than he's ready for. But he's a rookie. You know, like, this is a... And something I'll say, too, I think a lot of people are going to sleep on that Falcons team. That Falcons team is built to beat up on, I don't want to say bad teams, but bad teams. They're really strong in the trenches. They run the ball really well. They have a lot of big bodies along their defensive front that make it hard for quarterbacks to kind of make make do. And then they've got guys like A.J. Terrell and Jesse Bates in the back end who are really good players in the secondary. Like, it's an underrated unit as a whole. So while Bryce Young had the worst day of the three guys, I, I don't think it's really that concerning. You're not really, you're not, writing home about a rookie quarterback after his first, you know? And just flip it on to the Falcons side. You know, as, as you, you touched on it, they'll beat up on difficult sides, but it did take them quite a while to put this game away, you know, mm-hmm. and with two, two touchdowns in the end. Bijan Robinson, I mean, you look at the numbers, and like, no one's going to walk away from this going, oh my God, it's unbelievable numbers, 50, 56 yards rushing, yeah. 27 receptions, but the opening touchdown in the game, well, you could see it, couldn't you? You, you saw it, and you, you know, when you look at him in the way he plays the game. They found the gem. Yeah, he's, he just moves different. Yeah, no, completely. I mean, his ability to just like make guys miss—it's just different. He he moves like a different cat on the field. Like his ability to shift laterally backwards. I mean, like you said, the back juke he had on the first touchdown was disgusting. And then I mean, having that change of pace then with Tyler Algier, who is just such a good thumper between the tackles, and it's just gonna get you those really tough yards. We saw him scrape out two red zone touchdowns today. Like. It's crazy to imagine that then this offense is also missing Cordero Patterson, who's plenty efficient as a runner himself. Like, like, like I said, this is going to be a team that, like, if you're not like talented on offense, they're going to keep the ball from you, and they're going to make it hard for you on the de- on their their defense is going to make it hard on you. And I think they're going to be like not a good team, but a better team than people expect. And Ritter looked decent as well. Yeah, it's a good, it's a very good style. And bearing in mind, it's also a divisional win. I just wanted to jump into two games quickly, get your thoughts on them. Um, and the Vikings, like, 
probably one that was in everybody's last man standing and all the various mm-hmm. competitions that a lot of people where I felt the Vikings at home <clears throat> after a strong season last year, albeit losing a wild card game, would have came out strong and uh, couldn't get out of our way in the first half in particular. Muslims was fumbling and um, sacked, you know, interceptions. They left the books hanging around. And you know, in the NFL, you leave a team hanging around no matter what the level they're at. It only takes one drive in the fourth quarter. And that's essentially what we saw with the books. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I'm not dismissing their well they played, but to last drive, the books were allowed to kind of methodically get down the field, get the force downs, fill the game. It's a bit of a hammer blow, I feel, for the Vikings because oh, because Ireland's winning on Thursday. No one would have expected that. Everyone would have felt a bit we're being competitive, but not to actually win an arrowhead. Mm-hmm. So for them to win and then the Vikings go and lay an egg, shall we say, it's a bit of a downer and it's a, it's a very disappointing start for the season for them. And for Baker Mayfield, maybe there is a redemption story to come. Yeah. No, I mean, it's absolutely embarrassing for the Vikings, but I mean, it's kind of one of those things where, like, I don't want to say it's not shocking because obviously there were a lot of people last year that were kind of being like, hey, this team won 13 games, but, like, did they really, like, I don't know. Every team that wins 13 games wins 13 games, but they did all that, and they still ended the season with a negative point differential, and they kind of showed that they kind of were those pretenders, I think, today. But, I mean, that Buccaneers team, I I just want to touch on it for a second. This is something that I think was kind of underrated with Baker Mayfield coming to Tampa Bay, and, I, you know, a lot of people love to give Baker his crap. I mean, you know, I'm not going to pretend that Baker's this great quarterback, but I will say, like, the receiving core in Tampa Bay is probably the best receiving core. Not even probably, it just is the best receiving core, I'd say, that Baker Mayfield has ever had. You got Mike Evans, who is a Hall of Famer. Chris Godwin's very solid. They've got a rookie in Trey Palmer who looks really good. It's a decently built receiving core. Their offensive line is, they've still got Tristan Wirfs out there and some decent guards. Like, that's an offense that isn't built to fail. You know, I'm not saying it's going to be a world beat or anything good, but it's a, it's a team that can definitely sneak up on you. And they have pieces on the defensive side of the ball as the Vikings found out today, trying to challenge guys like Antoine Winfield and Vita Vey all game long. Like, this is a better team, I think, than a lot of people are kind of giving them credit for. I think a lot of people saw their struggles with coaching last year and a lot of just the growing pains they had after losing Brady. But, like, this is still an NFL roster that has pretty decent talent on it, and that talent came to play today. I mean, again, like, you talk about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield played with probably the most heart of any guy. Like, he was... He was charging for first downs, fighting for extra yards, scrapping on the sideline. Like, that guy wanted to show the world today that he wanted to win. And, I mean, as much as it sucks for Vikings fans, it didn't feel like they wanted to win today. Yeah, some of the reaction on social media, Baker Mayfield celebrating is kind of enticing trading neutral who's getting into the NFL and sees a morality of all the players getting their own. Yeah. Um, kind of jump into one game, which probably nobody would have thought would have been the blowout of the evening. And that's uh, the 49ers, like, I don't over yeah over. I know we're gonna have overreaction Monday like we do in every weekend of the NFL season, and in particular after week one. Mm. Are the, is it, is the Fortuners that good, or the Steelers that everybody was kind of building up to be a great team this year? And a lot of people were selecting the Steelers to win this yeah. year. They thought they would have got the Niners at the right time. I didn't buy into. It. I selected the Niners, um, but this was this was this was the beatdown. This is the Niners for me saying we didn't have a quarterback in that championship game last year. If we had, our teams may have been different. We're about always here, and we're ready to go again. Yeah, no, I'll go ahead and overreact right away. I was expecting to see this, or I'm sorry, this uh, this Steelers defense especially is one of the better units in the NFL. Like defensive front-wise, their front seven is deep and deep with a lot of talent. Losing Cameron Hayward today absolutely sucked for them. It's a very good defensive unit. And like you said, I mean, the San Francisco 49ers absolutely embarrassed them. As far as the offensive side of the ball, as you are saying, maybe it got slightly overhyped, but like Kenny Pickett looked decent last year and I expected him to take somewhat of a step forward this year. Throughout the back half of last season, their offense really turned it on. And I think they only really kind of added weapons. Like, but as you said, 
another thing about this, like normally, like you kind of want to be like, oh, it's week one, just kind of throw it away. But like something that kind of gives me a little bit of pause. I mean, this is a Mike Tomlin team. Like this is a Steelers team that's always very well coached. This is a team that sneak up, sneaks up on teams, honestly, all the time. If you remember a few years ago when they snuck up on the Bills, you know, they they do this. They beat teams usually in week one because they're just a very well coached, very disciplined unit that beats the hell out of you on defense and then has the ability to just kind of keep it together on offense. And they got embarrassed. You, you really, I mean, you put it absolutely perfectly where it just Shanahan kind of showed that his offense is not one to be trifled with when he has weapons and a quarterback that can get the ball to them. Like, it's a scary thing. And it's kind of a scary prospect, too, when you think about, like, man, like, this thing is only going to get better. And we've got a guy in Brock Purdy who's only going to get more confident in his arm coming off the, the UC and. 41-10 against the Bengals, 38-3 against the Bills, and now 37 loss. These are the these are the nature of some of the defeats they've had over the course of the last seasons. But in fairness to Tomlin, always finds a way to get a good reaction out of his team and, and pushes them towards the playoffs. But the area they have been prone to to a blowout. I just want to move into the the nine o'clock window or late afternoon for you in Wisconsin, and that is the. Um, we'll start with your team. We'll start with the Broncos. You touched on it, you know, before we started there. And how disappointing it is to see a Broncos team, which looked in the first half like they were getting a bit of their mojo back on offense without yeah. the likes of uh, Jerry Judy. And, and Russell Wilson looked really efficient and looked like he was playing to that particular game plan, but it kind of stifled in the second half. And Jimmy G's interception in the red zone kind of looked like that was the turning point and the Broncos were going to find a way to him. Yeah. How impressed were you with Jimmy G? I'll just try on the writer side first. Because he's had another he's had another criticism, there's a lot of kind of start on you know, the fact he was taken over from Derek Carr, and there was all, he, he felt probably like he had a point to prove. Were you impressed? Were you more just thinking it was more the Broncos' defense, but he just so, weren't done it? Yeah, I'd say, like, I was fine with Jimmy G, but, I mean, such a big part of it. I mean, we all know what Jimmy G's biggest problem, he really struggles when you start to get pressure on him. When you start to get bodies getting close to him, he's going to make some mistakes. The Broncos' pass rush today was putrid. It was absolutely terrible. I don't know if they, if a player that's like an edge player or an interior player got a pressure today. Like they got a couple, I think, on safety blitzes, but like they were just straight up not getting it done. And that Raiders' offensive line is not a world beater, which is really scary. Like Zach Allen had a couple nice run stops, but he was really not getting it done on the interior in the pass game. We saw. I mean, it's just funny. Like we heard Vance Joseph talking a couple weeks ago about how like this was the deepest and best pass rush unit he's had in years, they got nothing today. Like, it, it was devastating. And I mean, again, like, where I want to be like, yeah, uh, I want to I say that uh, Garoppolo looked good. It's kind of, again, where it's like, we kind of know that if you give Garoppolo time, like, he can, he can manage a game to a victory. And I mean, it's not like he did crazy well today. They scored 17 points. Like, so... I don't know, Garoppolo, I'd say, looked fine, but this was just such a classic case of the Broncos beating themselves. As you said, that first half, it felt like Russ was getting his mojo back. They had a nice two-minute drill to end the first half, but um, yeah, it just kind of all fell apart in the second half. Some some kind of questionable special teams decisions, some cowardly calls to not go for some fourth downs, but like they, they also, their kicker, their newly traded for kicker, Will Lutz, he missed an extra point that would have kept the game tied. He missed a 55-yard field goal, which a lot of people are mad at that, but it's a 55-yard field goal, guys. Like, those those aren't gimmies. So, I don't know. Just kind of the classic Broncos that I think we were all used to. And I think any 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 NFL fan that was kind of like, man, Sean Payton's going to make that team from one of the worst teams of the last five years to an immediate contender, I think those people were maybe a little bit too excited because I don't think that's the case here. 
And I imagine there's a few Broncos fans that were very disappointed to see Brandon McManus move on and, you know, that would probably mm-hmm. give them a little bit of a narrative from the storyline to go on, bearing in mind, as you said, Lutz misses the extra point and the field goal. I just want to jump into, just jump into the Rams because I, we did our preview show during the week and I touched on the fact that whilst everybody was selecting the Seahawks and I did select them, I felt that the Rams always find a way to play hard against the Seahawks mm-hmm. and vice versa. We look back to the times when, the Rams were being successful and the Seahawks were having a down period. They still always played each other tight. We saw it last year in two games. The Rams have come out tonight, today and smoked them. You know? yep. Seattle, Geno Smith wasn't the Geno Smith we saw last year. In fairness, Geno Smith, the second half last season, bailed off slightly. He got the contract. Should we be should Seahawks fans be slightly concerned or is it a case that the Rams just got them on a good day? Because the Rams have a lot of young receivers and maybe sometimes the, the lesser being that you don't know who these guys are, they can come out and surprise people to a certain extent. Yeah, I'd say this is kind of one of those where, like, Seattle maybe has a little bit of means to be concerned. I'd say with the contract they give Gino, I think they kind of, like, that contract is built in to kind of say, like, hey, we like you, but we like you for the short term. Let's see if you can kind of make that last. I think this game might be an example. Hey, this is kind of why we did that. Um, But I I think it was a fine game. But, I mean, I think the big takeaway from this is, is man, if, if Matthew Stafford's back and good, that I think that Rams team is probably going to be fine. Like, Matthew Stafford is just damn good at playing quarterback in the NFL. He's making guys. A, a draft crush that was really good, I believe, at the Shrine Bowl, or maybe it was a senior bowl goal, Puka Nakuya, who I believe was from UCLA, but don't quote me on that. Really talented player. He ended up breaking 100 yards today. He played really well for Matthew Stafford. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, that Rams offense, I mean, it's funny because it's one of those things where it's like, oh, man, that's surprising, but it's also like Matthew Stafford is healthy again and is playing under Sean McVay, and they scored 30 points. Makes sense. You know, like, it, it makes sense. This, another thing to keep in mind, the Seahawks defense is very, very young. You know, like this is a unit that has a lot of young players in the secondary, a lot of second-year players or first-year players. They had Devon Withers, who not even play today, who was their top five pick that they ended up making a corner. So I don't think the sky is falling for Seahawks fans. And like you said, I mean, the Rams just sometimes show up to play and they're a well-coached team with a talented quarterback. And the coach that probably is thinking about the fact that people have suggested he should have moved away from coaching yeah. and gone to the TV booth, probably what? Has a bit of a point to prove, and maybe just mm-hmm. the season, which he does it. Two games to close out. Two very interesting games in many ways. Like, I'll start with the Eagles in Foxborough. We saw Tom Brady at halftime and celebrations, but the Eagles got out to a very fast start. They're up, they're up 17 0, 16, you know, 16 0. And um, it was a bit strange because they allowed the pages to come back. It was 16 14 at halftime. And then even at the end, they're going for fourth downs, and the, you know, the most sensible thing would be to be punting the ball. I kind of got the sense that the Eagles never really felt they were going to lose this game and they were tying with the Patriots to a certain extent allowing them to come back, come back into the game because it just looked you know especially in the first half like this was one that was going to be a blowout it didn't materialise Patriots come back do a better check on it in terms of did ever give in but um, just felt like the Eagles always had that kind of if they really wanted to move into another gear they could have but um, it didn't kind of play out that way in the end Yeah no I think I completely agree it seems like they just kind of controlled the ball controlled the tempo kind of did what they could Patriots ended up making a little bit of a comeback. I was in, like, it seems like they said, let's see if Mac Jones can beat us. And to Mac Jones' credit, he almost did. But I think they kind of, they were willing to kind of play that test and they ended up kind of passing it. So I think that's kind of the big takeaway here. Uh, but Mac Jones actually did end up looking pretty good. He's kind of another one of those quarterbacks, kind of like Tua, where I was talking about earlier, where you got to show your stuff this year, man. Like there's, there's going to be a good class of QBs coming on their way. And if there's a first round rounder sitting there and there's a quarterback that the Patriots like, they better have a reason to keep you, you know? So I think he did a good job showing that today. And their receiving core honestly impressed me a little bit. You know, I, 
it's kind of a mismatch of a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys that fill roles, but no one I'd say is a huge star, but they did a great job playing to their strengths today and beating up on an Eagles defense that, well, I think a lot of us not beating up on, but I think kind of creating some plays on an Eagles defense that while it lost some talent, I don't think it lost enough talent that, you know, you should be giving up 20 points to Mac Jones and the Patriots. Yeah, at the end, when the pressure needed to be put on, they put it on very well in terms of getting sacks on them and obviously stifling the number of drives when it looked like the Patriots could potentially get in and take the lead. Um, Got to close out with this because we are talking about quarterbacks and obviously this Jordan Love era start in Green Bay and I was like, it's obviously going to be a, you know, an enticing game to watch um, with an NFC North clash between the Packers and the Bears. I mean, like going into the season, Bears fans have so, so much high hopes around Justin Fields. Like they, they stepped away from the quarterback in London or in the draft in terms of moving mm-hmm. from one to nine. They moved back to 10 to a trade with the Eagles. Very much trying to work on the base that Justin Fields is the answer. And if, but if not, they have the Panthers number one pick next year and their own. But is it this Bears team just making out or like if, that offensive line today was looking worse than last year. The first yeah, he got, got called. So there's that. I mean, I think a lot of people got to keep in mind, like, while this team marginally improved, this was still the worst team in football last year, and they weren't going to, again, it's kind of another example, they weren't going to become the best team in football overnight. But, I mean, it sucks because I'm a Justin Fields fan, but I think it's getting close to the time where we just got to admit that Justin Fields just isn't a very good NFL quarterback. He's too reckless with the ball. He's very fun. He does a lot of cool things. He can escape pressure really well. He's really fast. And he's got a really strong arm. But that dude just, he just struggles to make the right choice 90% of the time. The guy does, the guy compounds errors like nobody's business. Like nobody turns a bad play into an awful play quite like Justin Fields does. One of the highest sack rates in the, in the history of the league throughout his entire career so far, constantly turning the ball over. And it's just like, you just can't live with that. You can't win with it, especially when you're playing against a team that's coached by Matt LaFleur, who's just like, you know, like Jordan Love looked awesome. I don't want to take away at all from Jordan Love, but like that offense is going to hum. You know, like I think that Matt LaFleur and the pieces they have on offense, like it's very hard to slow that team down. And if you're giving them extra opportunities, which Justin Fields always seeming to do, you're just not going to win a lot of games with that guy. And like a lot of people will point to the end of last season where he was doing all these great things with EPA and all this stuff, but it's kind of like so much of what Justin Fields is based on is his you know, obviously his ability to run, which is great. But at the end of the day, if he's not able to just play the NFL game as a passer, he's not going to be able to be an NFL quarterback. You know, like, it's just kind of getting to that point where I don't know how you kind of keep letting this stuff happen. Because it's like, the pieces last year were awful, yes. The offensive line has been awful, yes. But those are almost separate issues from the mistakes that Justin Fields makes. Because Justin Fields just makes boneheaded mistakes. It doesn't matter if the offensive linemen in front of him suck or the receivers suck. He he hasn't broken the bad habits that he had coming out of college. Honestly, they've almost seemed to get worse, gotten worse. So, I don't know. But, again, it's only week one. You know, he still looked okay. But, I mean, I think you just still saw too many of the issues that have made him almost unstartable at this point, you know? Well, this is the thing for Bears fans. They went into the season thinking this will be the year in which we'll see, you know, in terms of how he how he plays and and was they thought they improved the offensive line and the very and the defense obviously got went very aggressive and free agency. It is only week one, I think you're right, but like saw some plays today, like the interception with Walker returns with a pick six, the fumble when players around like the smart thing to do there is just to the ball away and yeah, the Packers fan text me early on in the games and if he doesn't 
take care of the ball, and he's going to lose, or else he's going to have to play out a game through an injury because he right. put him stuff. Well, and I guess that's the other part of it too is we're talking about a guy that's had injury concerns, and like that 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 that's the extra extra part of it. Where it's kind of like, well, is it worth the risk at this point? You're already passing on number one overall selections for this guy, you know? Just uh, one game I actually didn't mention in the earlier state, which was the Saints closing out a narrow yep. win against the Titans, 16-15. A bit of an unusual game. Uh, the Titans couldn't get out their own way. Three interceptions by Dan Hill. I honestly thought Derek Carr would come out and be a lot better. I thought that he had a point to prove. And I would state it again. Week one, they won the game. Saints fans will be delighted tonight, but... Probably would have signed a little bit more from Olave, but in fairness, Olave again, throw it away so especially. He went over 120 yards, 1220 yards. He's, he's the key player there now. In fairness, he's the kind of the standard player. I think Michael Thomas had some nice grabs today, but ultimately, I think it's all down to Olave. And Williams had a quarter game, which I thought fair in mind how successful he was with the Lions last year. But they got over the line. And another one, Commanders struggled against the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals are good, but like, we're talking about tanking for. For next season, and they've done some big training. Right. Tank right, not even tank right to play well and put themselves in a the position to win the game. But again, look, it was an interesting old day. It was great to have a bash in there. Great to have your time, Frankie. Sunday night football rolling oh, around boy. very shortly. New York, New York, Giants are home this evening. The Jets are home tomorrow. Let's see how these two games play out. Looking forward to having your company next week as we react to week two in the NFL. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully another just great week. You know, we'll keep keep the injuries low, and hopefully we see a Giants win tomorrow tonight, and then we'll see who who do you, who do you want to win tomorrow? That's a that's a big that's a big game. Well, I picked the Bills. Big the, the Bills. I think the Bills are still the best team in the division. I think yep. they'll have been glad of the uh, the heightened scrutiny and going around the Jets this offseason as opposed to the Bills getting. And if you think back to this time last year, the Bills were the team everybody was talking about. Mm-hmm. You no, know, the Jets. The Bills would be happy with that kind of less attention this year. Interesting yeah. game tomorrow night. They're still favorites for this game. Everybody's talking about the Jets, Bills are still favorites. For me, that says it all. Oh, yeah. I mean, in that Bills defense, I mean, we talk about that Jets' big problem right now is that offensive line. I mean, you want to talk about a good front seven, the Bills have it. You know, you got guys like Vaughn Miller and Gregory Rousseau coming off the edge. You're, you're going to create some problems for offensive tackles. So it'll be very interesting seeing how the Jets manage that with Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully he can get some quick game out and be feeding Garrett Wilson a lot. A great Monday night football game to start the new season. Oh, yeah. The Thursday night game was really fun as well. Oh, well, look, just before we wrap up, the Lions, um, the Chiefs found a way to, I thought, like, you know, the Chiefs wide receivers couldn't catch the balls, you know, like, no, Mahomes just goes to show how important Kelsey is, but, like, the likes of Kadarius Tony, who I've always said is not a number one receiver, and it was suggested he'd be, he'd be a number one receiver this year. Don't see it. The Lions under Diane Campbell are what we thought they'd be. They are pretty tough, and they've got some really strong good players there. Yeah, no, Brian Branch and uh, Jameer Gibbs looked really fun for the Lions. I mean, yeah, as you said, I mean, the, it's it's been so funny watching the experiment of how many pieces can we pull out of the Chiefs' offense before it finally topples on top topples on top of itself, and I think we got our answer because you put no I'd say average or above average receivers on the field, you take away the Hall of Fame greatest tight end of all time. He wasn't he was struggling out there. I felt almost a little bit bad for Patrick Mahomes, but I mean yeah that that Lions team man such a such a fun story to watch and I like. A lot of people like to bash Jared Goff. Jared Goff might be one of my favorite QBs in the league, man. That dude stands in tough so often and makes some really fun throws. And I just like, yeah, that, that Lions team is just such a fun story to watch. So I hope they get continue to do awesome things throughout the year. And I mean, the Chiefs, let's see if they sign Chris Jones soon, man, because they really need a body on the interior. They need to get that wrapped up soon. And what I would say now for next week, Andy Reid, given 10 days to prepare for the Jags, you might see a, a different result next week. That game's going to be a shootout. That game is going to be so fun. We didn't even get to... 
Trevor Lawrence, man, he 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 might be an MVP candidate this year. Like he's so good. I, I already my prediction is that he will end up being the second team all pro behind Mahomes because I just don't have the audacity to say that Mahomes won't be the best quarterback in the NFL. But you saw the I mean, Trevor Lawrence is already absolutely incredible last year, and you see the benefit of adding a guy like uh, Calvin Ridley does to that offense. It's it's gonna be so explosive and fun to watch this year. I can't wait to see what Trevor Lawrence does. Frankie's already looking forward to week two, and we'll be reacting to that game next Sunday night, going into Monday morning. Or oh, yeah, right, Frankie. Looking forward to your time next week. Enjoy Sunday night football. Appreciate you.